Juggling motherhood and modern day life can be stressful and relentless, but it doesn't need to be this way. The Joy of Being podcast is the answer to maternal mental health, bringing sustainable relief and calm to hardworking mums everywhere so that you your family and work can thrive. My name is Marina Pearson and I'm your host, transformational coach and mum who loves to interview business owners, transformational professionals and creatives to have insightful conversations about what it takes to really live a life that is thriving, fulfilling and full of joy. And today I've got some amazing news. You can now pre-order your very own version of the Joy of Being book, supporting hardworking mums to stress less and live more. If you're the type of mum who is struggling with the burdens of motherhood or modern day life, then this will be a perfect book for you. If you're curious, you want to know more and you want to see what's up with that book, you can do so at www.marinapearson.com slash order. And there you'll find all the amazing goodies that you'll get if you pre-order the book before the 10th of May. And on today's show, I have the beautiful Julianne Delcano Canard. As you will find out in our conversation today, Julianne has been on a huge journey, but mainly around the area of grief. She lost her daughter, then she lost her son to the state. And something that we didn't talk about on the podcast was losing her fiancé. And so she has seen what grief is, but also seen through it. And it's quite an extraordinary story that I wanted to share with you on this podcast because it really is a story of resilience, really is a story of we can never be broken. It's a story of hope and love and understanding. And so for any of you that may have be going through grief or have lost a child or have lost a loved one, or know of anyone that has, then this is going to be an amazing episode for you. Enjoy. So welcome, everybody. I'm super excited to have Julianne here today. As I was sharing with her before, it always I'm in awe of how we manifest things in life. And I remember seeing her story and was so impacted by it that a few, I think a few, like literally six months later, I reached out to her and I said, hey, I want to interview you because what you have to share is so powerful. I can't believe we're here today doing it. So, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Oh, so thank you. Blessed. Oh, thank you so much. So Julianne, over to you really, you know, for those that are intrigued by your story, I'd love to just hear what happened. Let's see, where did, where did it, where do I begin? I guess I, I found myself as a single mom. Once again, most of the time I raised my children, I was single. You know, for the, I was just married for a brief moment, and um, <laughs> I can relate to that. Yeah, and as my two older daughters got a little bit older, my son got a little bit older as well, and with that, there was a little bit of struggle. Um, a little bit of struggle with him wanting to go to school. He he was diagnosed with ADHD, and he was um, also in the process of being diagnosed on the spectrum. I found myself having to spend a lot of time, like at the school away from work and financial situations sort of downsized and my home started downsizing. And at one point I decided to just get us a tent site because that's what I had to do. And so in his little eyes, it was pretty amazing, you know, being by the beach and being by the water and being able to camp every day. My eyes, I was a horrible mom. 
I couldn't support my son. And then with all of him missing school, all of the days that he missed, and then um, the state found out that he was missing so much school and that I was living in a tent and they came and picked him up. And I'll never forget that day when they came to the tent site to take him and explained it to me and to him. And he walked away. He was so little. And I ended up going over to a friend of mine who was a doctor and um, staying there for a couple weeks. And um, all the while in the process of uh, going to court with the state and something happened, something, I guess I, you could say my, my thoughts quieted down with the help of a beautiful dog. Every time I burst into tears, she was gone. She went away to Hawaii. My, my uh, doctor friend was gone. And I just was left with her dog and her cat. And every time I burst into tears, her dog would come running. And then I began feeling bad for this dog, this poor dog. <laughs> but in doing so, I became present. I kind of listened to the, to the wisdom of the very, of this very moment. And I started to feel better because my son wasn't being taken away over and over and over again. It was my resistance to that, that I was hanging on to it. It was almost like I was putting it in a backpack that I was wearing. So for those that are listening, kind of, I think there's an important piece here about wisdom. And I, I know that to you and I, it just seems like so normal these days to talk about wisdom and how we can hear it and you quieten down. And, but for those mamas that are listening in and like going, yeah, but my situation is really bad and I don't listen to wisdom and I don't like, I don't trust it. Or if I do, I like, how did it happen for you? Like, how did um, you, Yeah. I could not get out of bed. I could not get out of bed. I was there at her house for at least two weeks while the state was processing all the paperwork. And I wanted to die, but I couldn't uh, because I had my children. But I did. I didn't want to live. And every time I would burst into tears, this little dog came. And all I know is that my thoughts of the past and my thoughts of the future drifted away when this little dog brought me to this moment and I consoled the dog. And that's when a tiny little bit of wisdom began to percolate up and I felt better. And I felt like there's something about that. There's, you know, there's, I'm onto something there. And, and it didn't stay with me for that long, but it sure left a deep feeling within that I wanted more of. And it didn't happen overnight. Um, I just am so grateful for that dog. And I went back to, um, at this point, I, I rented the room, a room from the uh, sergeant of the police department, <laughs> the head of the police department. He had a room for rent and I explained my situation. He said, of course, come on in and I'll help you get your son back. And uh, so I spent more time just, um, you know, I, I did. I wasn't introduced to the principles until after all of this. So I, it was all I know is that there is a feeling, there's an innate intelligence inside each and every one of us. There's a space, and I like to call it the space of silence. It's the wisdom of the moment, and it's being present. And I know these are all doings, and and at that time, I couldn't do anything except for cry and lay in bed. So I do understand. I mean, I, I. I'm not saying that it's simple because I had those cry days, those days where I just, just the mere getting out of bed was, in, was, it was debilitating. Mm. I spent a little bit more time with, with 
being present and, and going through the motions of going to court. And I applied for this job and the very, and I was interviewing for this job. And the very day I got this, got the, the acceptance and the offer a couple hours later, my, my beautiful 19 year old daughter was in a fatal car accident. She was on her way to university, actually to a Thomas Rhett concert that was on the other side of Washington state. There was no drugs or alcohol involved and um, a window was rolled down and her car rolled and she hit her head on the pavement. It was a single car accident. There were three other girls in the car with her. What I noticed at that time is my daughter is okay. She's not hurting. She's not in pain. And she's free. But these three other girls, these three beautiful, her three beautiful best friends have to live with that. They have to move on in life with that. And so I remember speaking at the memorial after I visited my daughter when her physical body came. I just remember looking down at her and just these feelings of honor uh, because I got to be her mom. I got to raise her. Some people never experienced that. Some people can't have children and some people, I don't know. I just, I'm so honored that I got to raise her. I got to be a part. She was such a gift in my life. Um, I remember wanting to share the love that she had shining through her since the day she was born. She was kind of a sinker to raise. She was full of energy, <laughs> um, but she was so full of love and still is so very present here non-physically. Um, so I took all of that. I made a very tough decision with that. That day I had to decide if I had to decide if I was going to go see my daughter for the very last time before they, before they do what they do in preparation for burial um, or go to court. And I chose to go see my daughter. And in doing so, um, I also chose to send my son to go live with his dad. Um, because what I'd like to share is that I saw the beautiful little boy who who has this beautiful little boy who deserves so much, and I felt like I was keeping him trapped, like I was I was attached to a certain outcome that I thought in my mind to be the right one. And that was my son being with me. Mm. But in doing so, I couldn't provide. I didn't have the, the, the connections that my, that my, my ex-husband, his father did. Um, he has a beautiful family with two sets. His, his parents got divorced and they married two amazing people. So he's got two sets of grandparents just on his side to wrap around this beautiful little boy, a baby sister, a puppy, and a beautiful home. And as much as I wanted to hang on to this outcome, I realized at that moment, looking down at my, my daughter's physical body, that there's, there's more. There's more. 
this, this wisdom came through, this something that we all, this infinite potential, this innate intelligence that we all are connected to came through. And I chose to have my son go live with his dad. Um, it's been painful. It's been a challenge. I know deep down I made the right decision. And then I knew I wanted to go speak at the memorial and share as much as I could, not as a grieving mom, but as somebody who has the opportunity to share a little bit of her story to this community that was so heartbroken. There were over 2,000 people at my daughter's memorial. And it was such a bright light that I wanted them to remember that she continues to shine in every way. It just these are just you might think this is crazy, but I believe that these are just earth rovers. We're beautiful spiritual spiritual beings here in this earthly plane with these earth rovers, these clunky earth rovers we wear. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. She's free. She's free from that earth rover, but she's still very present. Mm. I didn't know how to articulate this, but I did. And I, pro- I probably babbled just as much as I'm babbling now. So after the memorial, I decided to do something that I've never done. I've never left my hometown. I've never left the continental United States. I went up to Yosemite for four months until I got snowed out. And then that was just the most amazing feeling, Marina. And then I've never been to Hawaii. So I took my Yosemite clothes, my cowboy boots, my cowboy, everything I needed. and I came to Hawaii with my suitcase, not knowing anybody. And what I'd like to share is that in the not knowing, in the motion of moving forward and not knowing, that right there lies the creative potential. That right there lies this infinite space of creativity and just trusting in that and knowing that you have everything, everything inside of you you could ever imagine that you need in life is inside of each and every one of us. Uh, that's what I felt like I, I took with me, but yet we all have it. What I really hear in that story is resilience. What I hear in that story is okayness, even if it doesn't feel that way, as in I'm okay, regardless of what's going on and what I also hear is is that even even in like the most difficult what looks to be like the most difficult situation and happenings that you're going on for you at the time you are still being I had this recently Elsie Smith I'm gonna I'm, I didn't I didn't I didn't come up with it so I'm gonna she calls it mentored by mind Mentored by mind. Mentored by mind. Mentored by mind, yes. Yes. That we're all mentored by mind. Like there's a deeper knowing at play and that, gosh, like even even in the most, what I would conceive or most people would conceive, the most difficult, I mean, like not just one child, but two. Even in the most difficult you are able to find some sort of peace um, which would suggest that 
it can't be our circumstances that are creating that feeling. Right. I didn't know that. I didn't know. I thought there were times that I thought there was something wrong with me because I was feeling okay. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't until I heard of the three principles here in Hawaii, a little bit from amazing woman, Christine He. I met her actually last weekend. Oh, She's love her. Lady, isn't she? Oh, I love her so much. Wow. <laughs> I know she is. <laughs> and I don't know how old she is, but I certainly had an, I, I had a, I had an inkling that she was a lot older than she looks. 28. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Yeah, I know. Right? Wrinkles. How did she do that? <laughs> she's just beautiful inside and out. Yeah. And so she's a very, I like to call her my aunt. She's just a very special person to me. And then, um, and then when Rudy came, I saw his animation and I just, his animations are amazing. And, and you can find those on innate evolution. It just, I, it, it gave so many answers to what I was feeling inside and I just thought I'm not crazy this is this is this innate intelligence inside of us all it's flowing through us and it wasn't until the principles that I I couldn't articulate it and then I now I have words to wrap around these these amazing feelings and even doing so the words It's like you you can't describe the indescribable, but the principles do it so beautifully. It's just, yeah, now I'm floating. <laughs> yeah. How, how it works. So, um, and, and, and I know that I talk a lot about three principles during these, these um, episodes, but I always like to sort of point mums and women back to actually what they are which is mind consciousness and thought and how that's how we create life and our experience of life that we're not we're not living in the feeling of our circumstances but living in the feeling of thought right um do you get to see your son now I was thinking about this this morning no, not, and I, talking to him, not as much as I'd like, but I know that he's coming to the age where he's going to be able to make his own decisions. And I know that with that, I feel deep inside, excuse me, with that, that that's going to change. I know it will. And I just take a deep breath. Instead of, it's almost like instead of life coming at me, it sort of flows through as it should. It flows through because there's no hanging on to it. There's no resisting it. There's no being attached to any specific outcome. It's that wisdom of the very moment that that little dog taught me. (laughs) Amazing dog. Like I want, I actually have one now. Uh, We can learn so much about animals can't we because they're just right. in the moment she's all right. boy and like bouncing around and yeah. laugh. <laughs> um but there's there's I know I shared this with you before 
but but it kind of is a real resonating point here where I can relate to what you're saying around it felt really obvious to you to do that as opposed to to kind of hold on um because I felt the same way with regards to my son and my situation with my ex-husband now of course we share him but I could have gone you know it's interesting like I there was a lot of family who basically said oh he should be with his mother and you should be careful and what he's done is selfish and I really bought into that for a while and then suddenly something shifted for me which was hang on I can go into that fear and, and, and want to take him to court and, and kind of keep possession of my son. But there was something saying to me, it is what it is, as in this is a situation that's being presented and what's more important, for, what is the most important thing for Leo? Right. Right. Exactly. And it wasn't me taking my ex to court. Right. It was for him to be able to spend the time with his dad. Who am I to, 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 who am I to take that away? And then like, they're really close, but also, um, what an amazing experience. Right. He's going to be brought up in two very, in three different cultures. One is the States. One is in Spain, but he also has two parents that are British. Right. (laughs) That is just, that right there is the epitome of love, pure love to allow what's best for your son. And he's going to take that and he's going to grow up. We were all little people once. We all have memories. We all have a little bit of our childhood. He's going to take that and just love you even more. And the love that exists between me and my ex, I'm not saying the kind of love that you find to want to get yourself married to them again. Right. But the ease in which our relationship has trans, like it really has transformed in the last, even just the last three months, I would say, because I was still a bit like, at Christmas time, because I was here. The fact that I can stay in his house, the fact that, oh, yeah, right. So it's just, just, just like a... What I keep coming back to is what will Leo remember? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Will he remember the moments that Mark and I kind of got a little bit irksome? Or will he remember the moments that mommy was with daddy and they were both in the car joking around and like the time that, that daddy decided to come to see him ski and it was a surprise and what he doesn't know yet is the time I'm going to be coming here and surprising him for his birthday. And like that, that to me, those, those moments, he may not remember any of it in fact, but that feeling that, that exists. Right. Yeah. The feeling that exists surrounding the very moment that he is being little right now, being raised, that's what you're creating. That is what, the love that you have for him is creating mm-hmm. that beautiful environment. Mm-hmm. So maybe he won't remember it, but his life is going to be more richer, more beautiful. It's, it's priceless, Marina. It's beautiful. 
Yeah. So, any, so Julianne, what kind of the question that kind of comes up is, you know, any mom that's listening to this, that's kind of going through grief mm-hmm. for the loss of their child, um, in whatever capacity that may be, if it's, if it is, um, because they're no longer here present in their body mm-hmm. or it is because they couldn't look after them. Right. I don't know. Like, what would you love them to know? That they're only up against what is happening in this very moment, in this very moment. And I know because I've had a backpack full of memories and pain and diagnoses and but really it's this very moment that the only thing that we're up against it's not what should be what I should have done what will happen what has happened it's the here and now and just it's just it is just an acknowledgement of that it's almost like the the, the backpack, if you will, seemed to just fall away, a release, and life slowly stops coming at you and starts to flow through you. Hmm. <sighs> and that we are human. We do have these clunky earth rovers. <laughs> <laughs> and we are human and it's okay to cry. It is, gosh, crying. It's just so cleansing and it's okay to feel. It's okay to, it's okay to not be okay. <sighs> yeah. I remember. I'd feel a little, I could feel the cry. I could feel the pain coming on after Seth and Sophia. And I knew it was going to be a cry day coming soon. And that generally would happen every, you know, three days a week. Sometimes it was every day and then three days a week and then two days a week. And, but it's very painful. What I found is the resistance to what was happening was more painful than the actual happening, if that makes sense. So when you talk about resistance, could you, could you talk about what that looks like to you? When, when Seth was taken from me, I wanted to change everything, everything. I was resisting the fact that it did happen. I was resisting the fact of what is. And in doing so, you another thought pops into your head. I should have done things differently. If I only did this, I'm a horrible mom. I can't even keep a house over my children's head. Um, all of those thoughts bring, uh, accompany the resistance. But it's, it's almost like when I acknowledged this is happening, It's just the other thoughts just started falling away. You just become less interested in them. They just sort of float by. They do appear, but you kind of uh, step into a 
a different mindset that the principles explain so eloquently. I mean, just all of you beautiful speakers. I didn't have words to put around it. But um, yeah, the just resisting. It's the suffering that comes from the resisting of what is. What has happened or what possibly could happen and being attached to any specific outcome. Mm. It's scary to have an unknown. But what I believe is, like I said earlier, is that is where the creative potential lies. That's where that infinite wisdom rests. It's the wisdom of that very moment. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, like, um, kind of got, kind of come, what comes to mind is, um, I've been hearing a lot these days around the intellect and versus the heart, like the, 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 the rational personal mind, which is all around the shoulds, the have nots, the, the shame. Yeah. The shame around what we do, or what we don't do, especially mums. I mean, and I put myself in that category because it's so easy for us to blame ourselves 100% of the time for the things that aren't working um, and kind of lay it back on ourselves and say, what a shitty fucking mum we are. Mm-hmm. But what I've come to see is, is that that takes us further away from listening to what actually really is there right i remember um so i was at a the 3pgc conference this week last weekend and i was really struck again by chip chipman's um story that he that sid turned around to him one day and said isn't it amazing or isn't it great you've actually done you've never done anything wrong in your life yeah. Yes. <laughs> and Chip at the time, so Chip, for those of you that are listening in, is one of my mentors and somebody I've worked with very closely for the last four years. And um, he has just such a beautiful feeling that he's in. And he worked very closely with Sydney Banks. And for those of you that are wondering who he is, you can always Google him. Google's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Google's <laughs> wonderful. But to, to cut a long story short, he was an enlightened welder. Um, who had a spiritual experience about the way we experience life and what he was speaking to and what Chip at the time didn't realize, but what he realizes, what he realized soon after was that the true self, that self that is infinite, that, that some would classify as the soul. Yeah. Um, isn't, first of all, it, like that can never do anything wrong because it's all knowing and it's just in an infinite manifestation of love. But the second thing that I heard from that story was um, all behavior is innocent. But in, in this society, right. Um, there's a sense of like behavior is who you are as opposed to um, habits of thinking that create the behavior and, 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 all, all behavior is innocent. Right. Because if we believe our thinking in the moment, how would we know not to do something else? 
Exactly. I love that. That's such, there's such a freedom in that. It's just such a, a relief. And what I loved about what you were saying earlier on is, is even though you had all of that thinking about you, the mother, the this, the that, the other, your children, wrong, right decision. Like, actually, it kind of, kind of comes to mind as a question. Was there a sense that, that all of that thinking wasn't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks to the dog. Enough, right? <laughs> right. Yes. And that's when you, um, so when the beautiful Baxter, Baxter, the dog, and I'll have to share a picture of him. He's passed away, but, uh, just something so simple, even just noticing a bird or a beautiful tree that brings you to the very moment, but just him coming every time I cried, every time I cried and I felt better. And it was a couple weeks later that I realized that, yeah, this, 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 everything is okay. I'm okay. Everything is always okay. And then, you know, that went away and, you know, I started humaning again. And, uh, but yes, there was an inkling. There was that, that thoughts are so powerful. And when you believe you're thinking, you hang on to it. Mm-hmm. You become that. And, and that's pretty painful. And it doesn't have to be like that. I wonder if kind of what I hear is your focus went on to the dog. Mm-hmm. So it took you away from you focusing on all of that thinking that you had in that moment mm-hmm. I started feeling bad for the dog because <laughs> <laughs> he was so happy playing with his toy that I thought oh I'm gonna cry a little bit lighter this time but no his dog ears would perk up and he'd <laughs> come back I'm sorry I interrupted you <laughs> no, no, no it's beautiful they are so non-judgmental aren't they and they are are the source of in, 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 infinite love mm-hmm. And they love you regardless of what you think about yourself. Yeah. And what you've done. It it kind of mirrored. It was that unconditional love, that being in the moment. Because when I would stop crying, you'd be, okay, everything's fine here, and go back and play with his toys. Um, But it was mirroring what we all have inside of us. I believe that the only way I could see that, truly see that with clarity, is because it was connecting to that space, that beautiful force that is in every single one of us that's pure and so positive and bright. So just seeing that and experiencing that it's just a mirror, a mirror of, of who we truly are. So the other thing that, that keeps on nudging me, like, right, 
is um what all of this has brought about like I know you just got married and so Thank you. <laughs> this I don't know right like I'd love to to know more about that like mm-hmm. all of this what looks like hurt and pain and resistance but yet what the future holds because I know that we might be in this and it gets gets so scared of of what the future will now hold for us because of this it looks to us like the situation has created of the unknown so I'd love you to talk more about that I'd like to um share a little bit uh back in May uh I was here in Hawaii and the Kilauea, Kilauea erupted. And I, I heard about that. Yeah, it was quite, quite a big change. There was lots of lava, lots of what people would call devastation. But also, I like to see that and look at it. And it was such an honor to be here and experience it. Because it's birthed so much new life. Mm. It's birthed beautiful, like little plants that are already growing out of this, that can only grow in the lava, where the lava beds are. It's birthed communities coming together, sharing love. It's reminded us of what's important and what's insignificant. But it's so interesting that we hung on so tightly to the insignificant and and it takes something like that to bring us all together. I saw this little homeless family come through. I worked at a little store on the Hamakua coast and this little, many homeless people came. Their houses were engulfed by the lava. But, um, But this mom and dad were still in shock and the little girl comes up and says we get to buy chocolate and marshmallows and make s'mores because mom and dad are taking me camping. (laughs) She was there. She experienced her house, but that's true resilience. I believe the littler you are, the more connected you are to that amazing force that we all possess. So I'd like to to share that story and also share the similarities with, with what unfolded in my life is, yes, so much change and pain happen but yet there's so much beauty that came out of it there's so many people that um Sophie was on her way to Thomas Rhett he's a country singer and he got word that she didn't make it to the concert and so the video went viral and in doing so that video going viral people contacted me that had experienced loss or that were experienced pain and 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 death and in so many different ways. And so I started talking to these people. I had no idea who they were with what I, again, there's my weird words, but what I like to call word vomit. It's that, it's that wisdom in the moment. Christine calls it wisdom. I love it. I said, it's word vomit, Christine. She said, that's your wisdom talking. But, but it, that wisdom in the moment that the, the, the dog helped redirect me to what we all are connected to, it, it brought so much 
um, new life in a different way. Mm. Um, so many of these people, there's about over a hundred, maybe about 500 that I'm still in contact with. And they're, we, we're celebrating life together. We're moving forward together. Um, so yes, there was a lot of pain. There was a lot of transition. Um, but so much beauty has come out of it. So much new life. You know, I kind of what comes to mind when I hear you talk is this um, an, an example for others to, to be able to see how resilient they are and because I, as a mom, I can't even begin to imagine what it must be like to lose one of your children. Um, even less both, but for another reason. And, um, and yet here you are being able to share your story with so much love um, and compassion and being such a beautiful feeling that it's just so hopeful for what's possible. Mm-hmm. Someone said to me, <laughs> oh yeah oh. i have my tissue i guess you do and i, I just have my hand <laughs> i like your idea better <laughs> oh, that's perfect it's portable <laughs> um someone said to me well it was it was everything that happened to you that made you resilient and I said no because we already are resilient we already are it's already there it's there inside each and every one of us like um and testimony to that is that you were talking about the beauty of the volcano erupting. You could have focused on the devastation and, and, you know, and that's not to belittle those that have lost their houses and, um, and that have suffered loss. But there is beauty even in tragedy and, 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 for those of you that are saying, I'm not belittling it at all in right. any shape or form because you're, I you're honoring it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That there is, there can be beauty if you can see it, but it's difficult to see when you're pulled away and it just has such a gravitational pull, doesn't it? Like our yes. insecure thinking, like we get on that train. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know that train well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And we're off. 
and it takes us to to to, to depth of, of of all sorts of things and i yeah but there is there is you know i kind of i remember um it's interesting because there are two moments in my life where i would consider them to be rock bottom I'm sure there are a few others, but these are the two that I can remember that that uh, that stand out in my head. Which was the first was um, when I attempted to commit suicide mm-hmm. at the age of 21. Mm-hmm. I actually went as far as getting the sleeping pills and taking them. Oh wow! And so I'd been doing a lot of drugs. I'd been drinking a lot of alcohol. I wasn't eating some would label it as anorexia and I was doing a lot of amphetamine. So I was, I wasn't, it didn't look to me like I was particularly okay. Right. Right. But I just wanted it to end the pain. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I took them and I lay down and I was waiting to be taken. And I don't know my my innate wisdom can sometimes be very very loud right and she can be a she can be a bitch yes <laughs> like confrontive yeah very right yeah it's mm-hmm. like get the fuck she was so clear though like what the hell have you just done mm-hmm. get up go downstairs tell someone what you've done um and get get your butt to hospital mm-hmm it was so clear. So that's exactly what I did. I just followed, I just followed her orders. I was a bit scared of her at the time. Now um, at the time I didn't realize what that thing was. I did, had no idea that what I was listening to was my wisdom. I right. didn't recognize it. The second time was when I was going through my first divorce and I booked myself into Beth Israel Hospital in New York City. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I, I, there I was in the waiting room and I was sitting next to a cocaine addict. I can imagine the kind of conversation we were having. <laughs> anyway, he was telling me how awful his life was. He'd stolen money from his mother for his cocaine habit. We were attempting to kind of console one another. Right. I was in so much pain. Um, anyway, so... Like I couldn't really focus. I was just what it felt to me like I was having some sort of um, breakdown. Mm-hmm. And so I, when I called, when I my name was called, I went into the doctor's office and he sat me down and he basically said to me, "So I hear that you're having suicidal thoughts, um, that you need help, and you want us to give you something to calm you down." And I said, "Yes, exactly that." And he said, "Well, you do understand that if." that we can't let you out of here unless we deem you sane enough to do so. Right. Now I didn't know that at the time. And what I heard is, fuck, I'm going to be put into some sort of psych ward Mm -hmm. and nobody knows I'm here. Oh. So in that moment, like all of that sort of, because literally it was, I couldn't even focus. I was so, I was so all over my, my thinking was so all over the place. I was so ridden. I was in shock. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, clarity phone up your shrink. Perfect. So I phoned up my shrink and I, 
and I got her to speak to the doctor. And then I phoned up a friend and said, come and get me. Because literally I, I kind of sobered up out of that. Yes. It's amazing how that happens. Right. This is and, a bit clarity. <laughs> it was so clear what needed to happen to me. And, and it struck me. And so literally like 45 minutes later, I was out of there and, and, and everything was fine. Yeah. But what something <coughs> I hadn't realized until maybe about two years ago that that actually was what had been going on. I didn't understand it at the time. And I've spoken to others and I've, I've heard something very similar. That it seemed to me that anyone that had kind of perceptively hit rock bottom, that they'd also had such clarity as what needed to happen next. Right. Like it it, did. Would, would you resonate with that? Is that something that you can connect with? Yeah. It's almost like when you, you have nothing to lose. Mm. Um, you do hit that rock bottom. You do. It's, it's almost like any step is a step forward because you're at rock bottom. I, I do understand. Um, yes, that does resonate with me. And yes, there is that clarity, although it doesn't stick around all the time. Oh, no, I mean, literally came and then just completely went again and I was back to my gibbering. Right. But that space, and you're like, hmm, there's something about that. Mm. You were on to something. And uh, there's a peace. There's a peaceful presence. There's a... Uh, and, and just the clarity, the little clarity goggles that sometimes fall off are just exactly what you need when you really don't know what you need or, or you something that you needed that you never really knew you always needed, if that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes. And um, so sometimes rock bottom can be our friend. And sometimes when we're there, things aren't making sense and won't make sense until we gain a little bit more clarity. Because look at you now. Look at how many people you've helped. Look at you. Did I like young lady. <laughs> raising such a beautiful son and doing it so with nothing but unconditional love. And you share this with other people. And just like the volcano, I mean, just... I see, see now so many different romances that sparked and, and new relationships and little kids that, you know, met during the, the volcano where they had to be in the same tents, you know, next to each other. There's still friends and a community that just grows. There is, there's beauty there. And so it kind of occurs to me just to sort of say, that this isn't just something that Julianne and I have. This is actually universal to all of us. Yes, every single one of us. And that this sort of thing of like, there's something wrong with me is just thought. It's not who you really are. It's not, you're not who you're thinking. We think, but we're not 
the thinking or the content that we have inside. Correct. It's almost like when we have those thoughts of discomfort, we're being pulled away from really who we truly are. And now it's almost like a, a signal, like a, we call them rumble strips when we're driving along the road and we, and we hit the rumble strips and it's a little uncomfortable. It's disturbing. It makes an ugly sound, but it doesn't mean that something's wrong with the car. It just means you're out of alignment a little bit. But I also hear in your story that you really listened or that you heard, like we're always being nudged back. (laughs) Nudged back into alignment. Come on. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's there. It's like a beach ball. You're pushing that beach ball down with all of your thoughts. You're naturally buoyant. You're naturally going to float. But it's our thoughts and it's our believing our thoughts. It's being attached to a specific outcome it's being uh, resistance which is so natural is 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 a human you know to resistance to what is you push that beach ball down but we're naturally buoyant we're light yeah but you have a beautiful another beautiful daughter right yes i do so i'm curious about that i'm curious about how all of this situation has has it made you more appreciative of what you do have the time you do spend with her? Like, I'd love you to share more around that. It has so much. Um, so as a mom, (laughs) (laughs) after all that, um, (laughs) I was very smothering of her. (laughs) And I remember she was just 21 and uh and just experiencing just oh she went to Vegas and I was like well I want to go to Vegas with you and no mom you can't go to Vegas with me and so I'd go over to her house and clean her house while she was gone and make sure she had groceries and and bring food to her and but yes that was it I was smothering her a little bit so that's when I chose to go to Yosemite and it's our connection changed but it strengthened and deepened and she became something uh Sophia was interesting because Sophia was more of the protector of Sinclair their names are Sophia and Sinclair and Seth and Sophia was is the one that has now transitioned Sinclair is my oldest and but with the absence of me and Sinclair and, and Seth, excuse me, of Sophia, Sinclair blossomed. She sort of found her own way. And she's just this amazing, beautiful, resilient woman. She's not a little girl. She's a, she's a beautiful woman. She has a little business. She's a master esthetician. She does weddings and works together side by side with a photographer. And they go and they do these amazing, amazing, beautiful weddings. And during the day, she works for my ex-husband and does his books. So she has a day job in her true fashion. <laughs> but and and 
it's, it's the dynamics have changed. Um, Sophia and I were always super, super close. And we had this uniqueness. Uh, I, I truly believe because she was here for a short time that a lot of wisdom spouted out of her. And it's just this connection that was there because it was going to be short-lived. Hmm. Um, and Sinclair... It was mother, more of a mother-daughter dynamic. But now we're truly best friends. Mm. And I love that. I cherish that. That's priceless. And it's an honor. How did the death of your daughter impact her? Um, she, at first... I think after listening to me speak at the memorial was, I think, angry, hurt, because I wasn't grieving as I should be grieving. Mm. And it was because I spoke, as I said, not as a grieving mom, but as somebody who I felt had this opportunity to touch so many hearts and remind them to go back within, that we all possess a certain essence, the essence of life that's there. And... Uh, and that's kind of when I, I felt like I was doing things wrong. I was grieving in the wrong way. I wasn't doing it right. There was something wrong with me. And it, we drifted apart. Um, but now, I mean, she's, she's so in love with Rudy and so in love with Rudy and mom. <laughs> <laughs> Which one came first? <laughs> I, well, mom, <laughs> she's like, she's so cute. Cause the, at the, when the volcano was erupting and I, she called and mom, you got to get out of there. You've got to get on a boat and leave. And I, I said, honey, I'm okay. And she's just like, mom, you're so brave. You're so brave and courageous. Ever since Sophia's passing, you've just become so brave. And, and I said, honey, we, it, you are too. And, and, and just little conversations like that, just the, just, just the opportunity to remind her just how much she's grown and how beautiful she is. It's just those little conversations are priceless. So, yes, there was a separation that she was angry, hurt, because I was, it appeared as though I wasn't feeling the pain that a mom should be feeling and grieving in a way that a mom should be grieving. But uh, what made the difference? Like from that to where you are today, um, what changed and how did it change? And was there anything specific that she saw? Oh, well, yes. And the difference is <laughs> that it was uh, continual. So yes, there were days, and she knew she would know that those were days of my cry days because she would call me and tell me, "Mom, you had a cry day, didn't you?" You know, after after oh, after we reconnected again. But the difference is that she she thought I wasn't grieving in the way a mom should grieve, and she thought I was in shock, and that I was going to crash. 
and that this was going to be short-lived and that I was in denial. But I think it was just before the volcano that we really reconnected and even, and then with the volcano, I mean, just she, we had these beautiful conversations of, mom, you're really okay, aren't you? And then, then she started asking me, like she used to be so scared to fly. And she was, Sophia was her flying partner. And so she flew to Vegas, but in doing so, she had the most horrific panic attack. Um, and then she went back and had to be put on, was given a diagnosis of anxiety and had to be put on some um, short-term benzodiazepines for situations like that. But Rudy and I had the opportunity to fly to Seattle and fly, bring her to Hawaii. And we had a beautiful conversation on the way to the airport. And she handled it amazingly. We had a lot of turbulence. She just sat there watching her movie. She leaned over and said, wow, mom, that was a big bump. And they went back to watching her movies. And she, it was amazing. And she said, mom, I, I couldn't have done this if I wasn't with you. And I burst into tears and it meant so much. But, but what changed is that there wasn't a change. That. I wasn't grieving in the wrong way. I wasn't in denial. She saw that I didn't have a resistance and I released any specific outcome, my attachment to any specific outcome. There was growth within her, within me, and within our relationship. I heard it yesterday said that you can have love, but if there is an understanding that that's what creates rifts in relationships. And I, what I hear and what you're saying is that she, it seems to me that she at the time maybe didn't have the level of understanding that you did, but that over time, the way that you were being showed her that there was more to this than probably she thought at the beginning. Like, Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe uh, I might have been a little bit judgmental on that one. <laughs> As in, like, it's not that you didn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more that you were just sharing that there is a possibility to feel differently about something but it's not that you didn't care and I and I've I've come to see something which is kind of interesting to me which is you can care more when you're not worrying so much (laughs) yeah you can it creates so much more room for love yeah and and somehow you can give more if you're not in that place of stress and anxiety yeah because all of that self-concern because it is self-concern is is isn't there there's room and and something that I heard was um nature it pulls a vacuum so that um if you've got space more can come in yes that's right because we we have the space the space is inbuilt it's there inside of us but sometimes it just gets 
pinched off with our worry, mm. with our resistance, with our attachment to any specific outcome. It, it, mm. it does. So and, I can imagine, a, 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 and I, I guess I'm assuming, but correct me if, if, if this isn't kind of what I'm hearing is that, um, her level understanding grew mm-hmm. and she was able to see something new for herself in the situation. Yeah. Her level of understanding of just truly the infinite, mm-hmm. infinite potential that she truly is grew. Mm-hmm. The connection of who she is blossomed. The deep sense of knowing just arose and it's growing every single second and I guess with that she was able to see the situation slightly differently yeah what about your son was he involved in in any of that like did he have an experience he he was there at the memorial he thought it was beautiful um And he got a little sad when they, when they did the memorial video. And um, then he had to leave a little early because of that. So he went home with some family. And then yeah, he was pretty sad. It, it hurt him. I think just the change hurt him. But yet there's ex- there's situations that he's experiencing now that are so something that he'd never, he would never experience. He's, um, he's in the South. So he's experienced a whole different culture that he would have with me. And, um, his dad is from Alabama. Mm. So, (laughs) um, yeah. Part of me just wants to run and grab him and hold him. But I know that I have to remind myself that he knows I'm always here. Mm. And trying to keep him with me is almost keeping him trapped. Like I said before, like a little bird that should be able to fly let you keep them trapped in a little cage because you think that's what's best for them when truly it isn't. Mm. So yes, there is a lot of pain there. I was thinking about it this morning. Just it's in, my communication with him is not enough. But just the fact that he, he is and I'm here is is though hmm. because i i don't know what's to come i mean this something that i realized this morning so as you know i just came back from a state of mind conference yes and i noticed how my mind has got so quiet. <laughs> yes. Like I haven't 
you know how you think oh yeah I'm quiet and then you and, and then you go even more quiet and you're like oh, I wasn't quiet right right I'm noticing such a huge change in Leo's behavior towards me. Yes, exactly. He wants me to be with him all the time. Mm-hmm. This is not usual. He usually has a preference to be with his dad. And so what I've noticed is that when I drop into that beautiful feeling, which I can so feel you in, Mm. that it cannot not make life more beautiful for those for you and for those around you like it, it, it's it cannot but do that it's inevitable it's kind of like an inevitability mm-hmm. yeah it's because you resonate marina you resonate you just released you had a release in, in any any significant attachment there was unconditional love that you let flow through you in doing so you resonate with such beauty and of course your son wants to be with you but I'm reflecting that back to you (laughs) thank you (laughs) so easy to see other people isn't it as a a mirror and we have to remember (laughs) (laughs) and you know for those of you that are listening that this is what's possible. Yeah. Like not just for me and Julianne, but also what's possible for you too. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, my mentor saying, just trust the feeling and let that feeling take care of you. And I was like, yeah, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Is that yeah. it? Is that it? Oh. But actually, is it? It is. It, it, it really is it. Like the feeling you're in. Mm-hmm. The, the the beautiful feeling which we can be in, which is love, is such a miraculous. It it gets you free lunches. <laughs> you get to get go in and, or you guys call it a queue. You get to go ahead in the queue. Yeah, they give you money. They give you discounts. <laughs> you don't even ask for them because they just like you. I mean, seriously, it's 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 quite amazing. Um, but also people want to hang out with you more, which is kind of something I've noticed. Like this yeah. thing about it. Mm-hmm. Your children want to spend more time with you. Bingo. Yes, I know. So, <laughs> so I guess I'm, I'm kind of say, saying that because if you're wondering, you know, if you're listening and you're wondering, well, all I can say is look in the direction that Julianne and I are talking to, pointing to, because mm-hmm. we're not, we can't, talk about it per se because we can only right. in that direction but right yeah so julianne if if someone wants to connect with you they want to tell you more about maybe like they've gone through the same situation and so forth and so on how can they do that they can contact me um by uh, my website our website rudy and i have an online business it's innate evolution um so innateevolution.com and um under the about us section you can learn more about us and connect with us i'd love love to speak with anybody anybody that's hurting that's Mm -hmm. what i want to do 
Well, thank you so much for your time, your presence, your grace. And yeah, I hope that everyone that's listening today has got so much, as much out of it as I have and being mm-hmm. in the presence of this beautiful woman. So thank you, Julianne. Oh, thank you so much. It's been an honor. <laughs> yeah, it's been an honor. Thank you. Okay. Until the next time. Bye-bye for now. Bye. And there we have it, another amazing episode of The Joy of Being. If you enjoyed this podcast, you may well enjoy the book as well. You can either download a free chapter, www.marinapearson.com slash chapter, where I go into much more depth into how we can create more time and space as mums. And if that doesn't fly and you're more curious about getting the entire book, then you can do that too at www.marinapearson.com slash pre-order. There you'll find a page with all the amazing goodies that you'll get if you pre-order it before the 10th of May. So until next week's episode, remember, you are the joy you seek.